Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17, 18, and 19. We are going through the minor prophets, and I really feel that the Lord has a word for you. You may have come here uh, uh, because of a friend's having their child christened or because it was summer vacation and you decided to take a trip to the Boston area or whatever, but I want you to know, I want you to know that God has tricked you into being here. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, God has a word for you. Not a sermon, but a word for you. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. Message Bible says, meanwhile, the earth fills up with awareness that is knowledge of God's glory and the waters cover, as the waters cover the sea. So the glory of the knowledge and awareness of God will cover the earth as the waters, as the oceans cover the sea. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, the New Living Translation says, even though the fig trees are all destroyed, even though there is neither blossoms left nor fruit, even though the olive crops all fail, even though the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet, with all that disaster, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be happy in the God of my salvation. The Lord! God is my strength. He will give me the speed of a deer and bring me safely over all my mountains. Anybody have some mountains? I, I want to speak to on the subject, let's do our part. Let, let's do our part. Tell the person next to you, do your part. Now, you, you weren't convincing Tell the person next to you, do your part. See, see, if you do your part, we, we know God's going to do his part. But he needs us to do our part. The background, and we've been dealing with the minor prophets, and the background of the book of Habakkuk, who is a prophet, is that Babylon uh, has, Babylon has invaded Judah three times. Babylon has invaded Judah three times. And Babylon will always invade Judah because Babylon, the word Babylon, Babel means confusion and Judah means praise. So when confusion comes, it's always determined to confuse your praise. Are you with me so far? The last time or the third time Babylon or the Babylonians invade uh, Judah, particularly Jerusalem, is in 586 BC where they burn down the temple. They burn down the city. They completely destroy Jerusalem. That was the third time they invaded, and that is 586 B.C. 
The second time they invaded was in 597 BC, which was 11 years earlier. And during that time, the, during all three times, they took captives, captives and, and exiled people from their homeland. And during the 597 BC uh, invasion, that's when they took Ezekiel. And so when you read the book of Ezekiel, he is prophesying, you know, Ezekiel or comes before Daniel, he is prophesying in captivity. He is prophesying in, uh, in Babylon. And, and that's why his, his prophecy is so powerful when, when God drops him in the middle of a valley of dry bones and asks him, is there any hope? In 605 B.C., which was, again, even another, what, eight years earlier than that. That's the first time the Babylonians invade Judah. And during that time, they take Daniel captive. They, they take Daniel from his homeland of Judah. And he never, as a teenager, and he never sees Judah again well over 60 years later. Habakkuk, there's a book in, there's a, there's a scripture in Amos where it says that God does not do anything unless he reveals it to his prophets and so that the prophets could warn the people. There's a difference between a priest and a prophet. A priest speaks to God for people. So when people ask you to pray for them, they're really saying, could you be my priest? A prophet speaks to God, so speaks to the people for God. And usually when, when the hammer drops on somebody, we feel sorry for them. But tell, I'll, I'll tell you, God has been speaking to them for a while about that situation. Because as a good, good father, he doesn't drop the hammer unless there's a warning. Also, as a good, good, as a good, good father, he doesn't send the blessing unless he first promises it. And the promise is to keep you here looking at life as a disaster. But God has already given you a promise, even if it's a simple phrase, everything is going to be all right. Habakkuk, he prophesies in this book approximately about one year before, the, before Babylon comes in and invades Judah. Now, if you remember, we were talking about God. He was constantly sending warning after warning after warning. And finally, it's sort of like parents when they say, you know what, if you do that one more time, mm -hmm, if you do that one more time, it's going to be me and you, and it's not going to be a love fest. Uh, some of you say, it, well, I can't, we can't, well, we can't do that now, but when we were growing up, it was, it's going to be me, you, and the belt. Okay. See, most of you didn't say anything because you probably got whooped so bad you got amnesia. Like... <laughs> You kind of you kind of came to in your thirties and said, "Wow, did I get whipped? What happened back then?" But God, He sends judgment. He'll He'll give warning after warning after warning. 
But after a while, judgment will come. And so Habakkuk, he, he, he is prophesying because things are so bad in Jerusalem. There's just wickedness going on. And so he starts his prophecy with a complaint. And then he ends his prophecy with a compliment of God's strength. So he starts off complaining about what's going on in Judah and Jerusalem, but he ends up with a compliment about the strength of God. And, and I really believe that that's, God, that's what God wants us from us. Look, I don't think God gets frustrated with our complaints. It's all right to complain. We even have a song. Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend unto my prayer. Really, it's a complaint. How many of you ever complained to God? Okay, the rest of you need to ask for forgiveness. God is okay with our complaining. God is okay with, with you saying, God, this job stinks. God is okay with you saying, this is horrible. Everybody with me so far? But, but what God does not want is a complaining spirit. Come on, you know those folks, folks. They, they're just always complaining. Always complaining. It's like, nang, 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 you walk out, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, but you know, it may rain. <laughs> wow, I guess just got a raise. Yeah, but you know, your taxes may go up too. <laughs> I got a brand new car. Yeah, but when I got my car, I got hit the first week. Some of you all may not be laughing because you may be sitting next to one of those <laughs> people. But Habakkuk, he starts with a complaint, but he compliments the strength of God. The last verse says, the Lord is my strength. That word strength in the Hebrew means the Lord is my means. The Lord is, I love this, the Lord is my other resource. My other resource. What does that mean? Paul understood it when he said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. People are wondering, how are you doing what you're doing? You need to let them know, I have another source. How can you afford that? Philippians chapter 4, 4.19. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in a place that you cannot see. I have other resources that you don't know about. The Lord is my ability. The Lord is my substance. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Lord is my power. The Lord is my worth. This is the one that struck me that really made me feel excited. The Lord is my efficiency. The Lord is my efficiency. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're working too hard. You really are. You're working too hard. You really are. You're trying to make things happen. And God is saying, I am your efficiency. The word efficient means 
to perform in the best, what did I say? The best possible manner. I love this part. With the least waste of time and the least effort. The least waste of time and the least effort. The Lord is my efficiency. God says you have two choices. You can either pray and I do the work or you can try to think your way out of it and you do the work. Ah. You can either try to use your wisdom to negotiate or let the Holy Ghost go ahead of you because you prayed and make that person drop the price, put them under the anointing, and they're sitting there making a deal with you. And even while they're making the crazy deal, they're saying to you, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Now, what you need to say after the papers are signed, that the Lord <laughs> made you do it. Because he don't want me working as hard as I'm working. He is my efficiency. You do yourself a disservice when you don't pray. I'm not, I'm not praying because I want to be spiritual. I pray because I want to be connected with the one who makes and allows me not to waste time. Because I don't know about you, I don't get time to waste. Can I get a witness out there? So when you divide up these three chapters, the first chapter deals with the predicament. The second chapter deals with the praise, sorry, the prayer. And the third chapter deals with the praise. So chapter one deals with my predicament. Anybody in a predicament right now? I don't know about you, but I am. The second chapter deals with my prayer, and the third chapter deals with my praise. So he starts off, he, he, you know, I love Habakkuk because he's for real, for real. He doesn't start off with his prayer, Heavenly Father, the God who made the Milky Way, the God of Mercury, Venus, and Mars, the God of Elijah. The God of the God of the God of. No, he, he, he starts off by saying, you know, how long? How long will you let Judah get away with injustice? I mean, the first verse just introduces him. The second verse, he just goes all in. How long? Now, I know some of you, you've been waiting on the Lord for a while, and you're like, oh, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. But I've seen you in the checkout line at the food store. Mm -hmm. I've seen you when the light turned yellow while you were driving. 
I seen you. When the car in front of you decided to stop at a yellow light. Mm -hmm. I seen you. I seen you. In the spirit, I seen you. I seen you beep your horn. I seen you slap the dashboard. I've seen you speak in another in a known language. I've seen you. I've seen you. I've seen you. I've seen you. Mm. Ooh, there's a, there's, a, there's a prophetic anointing coming over me. Shatarabaha. Oh, I, I see. I see. I see. I see. Mm, mm, mm. He is a man of God. Uh, how long? And he's, and he's crying. How long will you let Judah get away with injustice? Let me, let, me, let me make it more applicable. How long, Lord, will you let Washington? Get away with injustice. How, how long are you going to allow me to be in this predicament? I looked up the word predicament, and, and, and I don't know about you, but it spoke to me. It says... The word predicament means I, I'm in a bind. It means I'm in a dilemma. It means I'm in a hardship. I like these, you know, even these cinnamons, I like this new dictionary because it even has slang. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of jammed up right now. Can, can I get a witness? I'm, I'm kind of jammed up. Uh, uh, how long will I be in this mess? How long will I be in this situation that's just simply perplexing me? Oh, I know I'm in the right place. Though, though it's summertime and though you may be vacationing, your predicament somehow has managed to travel with you. And God, while, <laughs> while Habakkuk is complaining about his predicament. God, when are you going to do something? God, when are you going to do something? The God comes in in verse 5 and basically says, I'm going to do, I'm going to answer your prayer, but you don't, you're not going to believe how I answer your prayer. And Abaka was like, come on, try me. And so God says, you know the Assyrians, yeah. Good, because you know, I remember Jonah, he preached against him, and, and Nahum preached against him, yeah. And, and I'm sick of the, I'm sick of the Assyrians. Jack them up. And, and God says, you know what? I'm gonna jack up the Assyrians. But you know, you know those Babylonians? Yeah. Woohoo! Hooray, Babylonians, for getting the Assyrians off our back. Well, I'm gonna bring in the Babylonians to straighten up Jerusalem and Judah. And Habakkuk's like, are you kidding me? I know we're bad. But these dudes are crazy. How can a righteous God use people who are worse than us to judge us? And I want to say to some of you that God is allowing the Babylonians to come into your life in answer to your prayer. 
Oh, it's quiet. Let me just look at the clock. See, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Babylon means confusion. But God will use confusion. God works in confusion to answer prayer. <laughs> Isaac is building wells, and every time he builds wells, the enemy comes and stops him up. But he finally got to the right well, and the enemy didn't come, and he called the well Rehoboth because the Lord has made room for him. And there's a Rehoboth for somebody here. You apply to this job and this job and this job and this job, and, and, and you're confused like, God, I thought I was blessed, but it seems like every job, every well is being plugged up. But all God is doing is using the confusion to push you to Rehoboth. There's a place for you that nobody else can take. You know, Bishop, that was a good word. I know it was. He worked in Joseph's life, confusion. He worked in Naomi's life, confusion. She goes to, she goes to uh, uh, Moab, and, and both her sons die, and her husband dies. And, and it seems like in all this confusion, God has sent judgment. And, and basically, at the, end of the, at the end of the story, she has a daughter named Ruth, and the neighbors say, Guess what, Ruth? Guess what, Naomi? Your, your, your daughter-in-law is better than seven sons. The greatest confusion was at the cross. Jesus is whipped. Jesus is beaten. Jesus is killed. Talk about confusion. And yet the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that if the devil knew that by Killing Jesus, all of us could come to salvation. He would have left him alone. You know how we got deacons? Out of racism. That's, that's how we got deacons. Deacons is not some, not, oh, oh, Lord, give us deacons that may help the men of God. No, it came out of racism. Acts chapter 6. You have the, the, the Greek-speaking Jews, Jewish people, and the Jewish-Jewish people. They're widows of the, of the Greek-speaking Jews who were considered like secular Jews. They, they weren't being taken care of. And so they came up to the apostles and said, that's, that, that's, that, no, no, that's not cool, man. Y'all are racist. You know, you know, you're, not, you're not taking care of our widows. And that's how deacons came into existence. And that's lasted 2,000 years out of confusion. And so the question I'm asking you is, what confusion is taking place in your life that God is going to work a miracle in? Mm. And so out of this predicament, and out of this answer that he gets, which doesn't make sense, it drives Habakkuk to pray. Your predicament, the purpose of your predicament is to drive you to pray. Because in your prayers, you will find 
God will give you answers that you did not dream about. Some of you, you're allowing your predicament to cause you to quit your job, and God say, no, don't quit. I'm about to promote you if you would pray. The reason why I'm raising up all this confusion is so that they can notice you. But if you leave, there'll be no one to notice. Ooh, it's quiet in here. So the reason I pray, the reason why he's praying is because he... There's such confusion in the answer and what's going on in his life, and then in the answer of God to his life that he he says, I'm gonna go up into the watchtower. This is chapter two, verse one. We're almost getting there. And I'm gonna watch to see what God will do. Because in I, I need to pray in order to get a fresh perspective of my predicament. Oh, Lord, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. God is working in your situation right now. You just don't see it. God is working in your situation right now. Right now, as I speak, he is working. He's not on vacation. He's not handing it off to somebody else. He is working. He is on your case. But he's trying to give you the right perspective. The word perspective, it comes from a Latin word, per inspecto. Specto means, and we have our, our English word spectacles, it means to look at or to see. And per means, has two definitions, it means forward or it means through. Are you with me so far? So what happens is that when God gives you his perspective, he wants you to see forward. To see forward. Proverbs 29 verse 18, where no vision is, people will perish. You've got to see forward. See beyond your being broke. See beyond your messed up marriage. See beyond your crazy children. See beyond your crazy career. See beyond what you see, what your problems are, because God wants you to see perspective perspective. It means also to see through. See through what? See your situation through the eyes of God. It's amazing how if you can see through the eyes of God, what a difference it makes. David's older brother saw Goliath, my God, and for 40 days and 40 nights, Read it for yourself. His oldest brother, Eliab, thought he should have been the king and was upset with David. And so God said, you want to be the king? All right, here's the challenge. Goliath for 40 days says, come out, give me a man. And no response from David's oldest brothers. David shows up. Are you with me? And he, mm, he sees the giant. He has a perspective because he says, hey, Who's this guy? He's a giant. And David says, what do I get if I kill the giant? Well, if you kill the giant, you get no taxes. You Oh, shoot. You mean I get stuff for killing the giant? So, my God. So his brothers saw the giant as a danger. David saw the giant as an opportunity. I can't get no help in here. Some of you got to realize 
When you see your situation from God's perspective, through God's eyes, you, you, you're ready to say, wow, all this hell is breaking loose upon me right now because God's about to take me up to heaven. That's why you have to get into the watchtower to see your situation. From his, from his perspective. And that's why Isaiah chapter 55, verse 5 to 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Then God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens above the earth. That's why you got to pray to get his perspective because his perspective never makes sense. So, see, here's the problem right now. The reason why you need his perspective, are you with me so far? Everybody with me? Turn, hit your name and say, you, you need to listen to this. Hit him and say, okay, don't, 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 I know it's warm in here. Don't sleep on this. The reason why you have to pray is because you have to know the difference between the truth and the facts. Some of you are looking at the facts. The facts say, I'm broke. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. You get a doctor's report, says you're sick. That's a fact. But the facts don't set you free. The truth. See, the facts is this. I may be broke right now, but my God shall supply all my needs. I may be, this report says right now that I'm sick, but there's another report that set me free, meaning by his stripes, I was already healed. So the question is, whose report? If I believe the doctor's report, then I'm going to walk around with my head down and I'm going to walk around asking everybody to feel sorry for me and to pray for me. But if I see the truth, which says by his stripes, I'm already healed, then I start to shout and I start to praise God because it's another, mm, it's another opportunity for him to write another chapter about his story in my life. You ought to be glad that you're going through what you're going through because God needs a live specimen to show that he's a good, good father. And he chose you because he has enough confidence in you that you will hold to his hands till he brings you out and he'll bring you out and you will not come out empty-handed. I said, you will not come out empty-handed. Turn your name and say, neighbor. I may be going through right now, but I'm not coming out empty-handed. 
my hand is going to be full of blessings so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. See, you can't tell somebody God is a healer and he hasn't healed you. You can't tell God can, you can't tell somebody God can, can fix your crazy child if your child wasn't crazy. You can't tell somebody that God can get you a job if you haven't been jobless. So the reason why you're going through what you're going through is God is fixing. God is setting you up to bless you. I can't get no help up in here. You're the chosen one. You're the chosen one. You're not the victim. You're the chosen one. I have confidence that they'll hang in there till the blessing comes. I can't trust this person because they'll fold like a tent. But this person, through the fire, through the rain, through the storm, they'll trust me till I bring them out. And nobody else will get the praise but me. I can trust them with promotion because they'll give me the praise. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. Stop paying attention to the facts. So what Trump is president? That's a fact. Even if he gets reelected, that's only seven years. But you don't understand. Thy throne, O oh God, will last forever. Compare forever to seven more years. And as crazy as you or I say he is, God put him there. <laughs> God said, you know what? My people ain't praying, so I'm going to make Trump president. Now you're praying, oh God, whoo, whoo, oh church, whoo, whoo. When Barack was president, we're marching to Zion. Now Trump's president, like, we be scared, man. Is it safe to come out? Is it 2015 yet? <laughs> Many of us, there are three reasons why we can't get God's perspective. This is deep. Lord gave me this this morning. I was like, ooh. Three A's. Not even my notes. Why many of us cannot get God's perspective. Number one, we're too angry. Some of you are so mad at God for allowing stuff to happen to you that you can't even get his perspective. The second A is that we're too anxious. Some of us, it doesn't, God can send an angel down to say everything's going to be all right and you'll still worry. Too anxious. Too angry. Too anxious. And if those two don't get you, the third one, you're too accepting meaning that 
you just kind of accept life the way it is. Well, you know, now this always happened to our family. My grandma, my gram, now me, no, this is just the way things are. You, and God is saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not my, I don't want you to accept that perception of me. I'm a good father. Well, you know, the Lord allowed, no, the Lord put cancer on them, the Lord put the disease on them, the Lord, you know, the Lord took their children because, you know, no, angel, no, heaven needed more voices in the heaven. You know, come on. What kind of nonsense was that? So while all this is going on, I'm finished here. <laughs> while all this is going on, this dialogue, in this prayer, all of a sudden, God drops an answer to Habakkuk in verse 4. And he says, the just will live by his faith. And then God starts to explain to Habakkuk what he's going to do to the Babylonians. And God says, I'm going to jack them up. You think they, they think they're getting away with it. But, oh, I'm about to drop the hammer. And I'm gonna drop it hard, and 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 so I like I like I like what um and 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 then uh, he says, while all this stuff is going on, don't worry, the glory of the Lord is going to be filling the earth. And so Habakkuk, after he hears God's answer to the predicament, he his last chapter is a psalm to the Lord. And he starts to sing a psalm of praise to God. Not only, not only because he knows what God is doing, but also because he knows who God is. And, and my point is this, is that he says in, in verse chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, he says, even though disaster takes place, I'm still going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. And that's the final point I want to make to many of you, is that in the midst of your predicament, God is saying, you must praise me. Praise turns me from a victim to a victor. You need to praise him. That is the weapon. Our part, that's what I said, what's my part? Your part, Habakkuk, is to praise God. In fact, the name Habakkuk means to embrace. I need you to embrace the promise, and I need you to embrace your part. And your part is to give me praise. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm finished, but I have one more thing I want to share with you. The Lord showed me this. In the midst of the worst predicament, are you with me so far? In the midst of the worst mess, the worst bind, the worst dilemma, the worst hardship. Jesus 
is on the cross. Are you with me? He's on the cross. That's a messed up situation. Am I right? Would you believe that's a messed up situation? And what does he say on the cross? He says, my, this is not a trick question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are you hearing me? That, that, that's a messed up situation. I, <laughs> I, I read that in the Message Bible. And the Message Bible says, God, God, my God, why did you dump me miles from nowhere, doubled up with pain? Verse 2, I called to God all day long. No answer. Nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. Does that sound like anybody here? Jesus is in a predicament. Jesus prays, you've forsaken me. But then Jesus goes into praise. Because you may not know this, but when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is quoting Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. I could run around this church right now. I'm so excited. Why did you dump me? You need to read the next three verses. Yet. I feel dumped. Yet. I feel forsaken. Verse 3 says, yet. I've been crying all night. Yet. I know that you are most holy. This is the passion, the passion translation. I love it. It's indisputable. You're God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise from your princely people. In other words, I feel abandoned. I feel forsaken. But God you inhabit the praise of your people. Verse 4 says, our father's faith was in you. Through generations, they trusted and believed in you. And you came through. In other words, some of you have too much history in your family about the power and deliverance of God for you to be acting like you're acting. I had, my grandparents went through the depression. My grandmother, grandfather had eight children. My grandfather couldn't find work for eight to 10 years and yet God kept them. So why should I be acting the fool? I got too much history. Some of you are third or fourth generation of people who walk with God. How dare you look at all that history and tell God now he can't do it. 
You better see your predicament and put a praise on it. See your need and put a praise on it. See your difficulty and put a praise on it. Because God will show up where shouts of praise are. You've been shouting at your circumstances. You've been shouting at your children. You've been shouting at people. Now you need to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Verse 5 says, every time they cried, my, every time my, my family, my grandmother, my great-grandma, every time they cried to you in despair, you were faithful to deliver them. And you didn't disappoint them, and you won't disappoint me. I don't care how crazy my children act. I'm going to bless God because God is going to put his sense into them. And the person, the child that I thought was crazy is going to be preaching the gospel because God has a story to tell of his faithfulness. So the next time you feel in a bind. The next time you get an unexpected bill, what you need to do is instead of crying and weeping, you already did that. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, so you might as well create morning around you. It's time to get out of the midnight hour. The only thing that will get you out of the darkness of midnight is a sacrifice of praise. And it's a sacrifice because I don't feel like praising him, but I'll praise him anyways. I can't get no help in here. I'm trying to help you because when you go back home, it's going to be a deep, dark place, but you need to enter your home and stop blessing God. Stop worshiping God. Stop putting on praise song. You're a good, good father. Ha, ha. Maybe you said my dancer put Satan under my feet and I declare I got victory. I got victory. Some of you need to just do a shout in your house. Need to just get in your kitchen. And go in the room, bedroom with that crazy child of yours. And while they're gone, just go in the bedroom and go, ha! And the devil will say, why are you shouting? Why are you worshiping God? And you need to say to the devil, I believe God that it's not going to stay this way. Right now, the facts aren't looking good, but weeping may endure for a night. And night only lasts for a few hours, but joy is coming in the morning. And I'm not waiting for morning. I'm going to make my own morning by blessing God right now. Say yes, somebody. Now you can sit here and say, it doesn't take all that. Father's shouting. So loud in here. My God. I can't, I can't, I can't take it. You're making me nervous. But when your favorite team, and I know some of y'all haters, and I, I get it. But, but I'll just talk about it. When your favorite team 
doesn't simply win. It's nice when they win. But when, when you see how they win. When everybody leaves the stadium because it's, it's done. And all of a sudden you see Jesus making a comeback. When Jesus scores, he doesn't want you sitting there saying, oh, well, at least, well, at least we're not shut out, Jesus. He's like, if you will praise me, I will score some more. If you will, you were made in my image. So if cheers excite you, what do you think cheers do for me? And the reason why God is honored by your praise in predicaments is because it lets the devil know that I'm not praising God because of my circumstances. I don't praise him just because he's good. I don't praise him just because I got a raise and things are going hunky-dory. Whatever. I need to Google hunky-dory. I need to just Google that. Oh, back to my message. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Did anybody need to hear that message? Any, any? God doesn't mind your, your, your predicament. He, he, he's okay with you complaining. But he wants you to take your predicament and pray to him about your predicament. But in your prayers, make sure you get his perspective. And once you get his perspective, praise him because he inhabits the praises of his people.